Hello from the MIT Legal Forum on AI and Blockchain here at MIT's Media Lab in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I'm Lawrence Coletti. This is Andy Perlman. David Calarusso. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. Thank you so much for joining us on the road today. We're, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, first of all, and we're still at the MIT Legal Forum on AI and blockchain. It's been quite an event, and uh, we ran into some old friends here. Uh, in particular, we ran into uh, Dean Andy Perlman from Suffolk University Law School. Welcome to the show. I'm delighted to be back. Thanks for having <laughs> me. Yes, and we have a new friend. So we have uh, David and his Russo. Did I That's say that correct. right? Yeah. Excellent. So we ran into them, and they had a big announcement. So I think, because I don't know as much about it as they do, I'm going to hand it over to Dean Perlman, because he's, he always does such an excellent job when he joins us on the air. So I'm just going to hand it right over to you. Oh, wow. You set the bar really high for me there, <laughs> Lawrence. Well, thanks. It's a pleasure to chat with you. Basically, the announcement yesterday was that Suffolk Law is launching a new online certificate program in legal innovation and technology, and it's designed to help legal professionals learn what they need to know in order to deliver their legal services better, faster, and cheaper. Uh, the reason that we developed the program is that as we've been out on the road and talking with people about our work, uh, we discovered that as much of an impact as it has on our students and helping them think through legal innovation and technology, there's a real demand throughout the legal industry to learn more. So we decided, why don't we make the expertise that we've developed and make it available to the world? So that's what we're doing. Dean Perlman, I'm curious, what's the audience? Are we talking about just people with JDs or? Really anybody who wants to learn how to deliver legal services uh, differently. So uh, certainly lawyers, but we're also imagining other kinds of legal professionals who want to learn about legal project management, process improvement, uh, automated document assembly, expert system tools, legal design. Uh, anyone who's in a legal department, a law firm, a legal aid office who wants to do their work differently, better, faster, cheaper, like I said, those are the people we think are going to benefit from taking this program. So I'm now at Suffolk as well, but this is only my first week uh, here, so I, Welcome I have to all these it. questions. Um, I'm also curious. What specifically are people going to learn? Who's going to be teaching these classes? Good question. So we reached out to all of these legal industry leaders, people like Microsoft's Lucy Bassley, who's going to teach a course on legal operations. We've got uh, legal futurist and analyst Jordan Furlong, uh, who's going to be teaching a course on the changing legal industry. We've got uh, Harvard Access to Justice Labs, Erica Ricard, who's going to be teaching a legal technology toolbox, all of the different tools that lawyers uh, can use to deliver their services in a different way. Uh, Catherine McDonough is going to be teaching legal project management and process improvement. Liberty Mutual's Bob Taylor is going to be teaching a course on legal design. So uh, we've got these terrific people, industry experts, who are going to share their knowledge and expertise with anybody who wants to think about the work that they do in a different kind of way. I'm curious, since this is an online certificate program, what does that look like as far as a commitment of time and how does that actually work? Great question. Uh, so we really want this to be as easy as possible. So one of the reasons we wanted to make it online is the idea that a legal innovation and technology program, we can't expect people to come in person. Uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And they're busy professionals. We get that. And we want to be able to reach everyone no matter where they are. Uh, and so it's online and it's also asynchronous. So you don't have to log in at a particular moment in time. And the courses are all going to have built-in assessments and opportunities to make sure that 
that you're learning what you need to know. So each course will last about uh, 12, 13 weeks. Uh, and we expect that each course will require uh, students to spend three to five hours per week. So we're not expecting this to be a huge time commitment, but we do imagine that uh, the students in the classes are going to get uh, quite a lot out of them. And I'm curious, since it's this asynchronous format, what does that look like for interaction with the instructors? Each week, uh, people will be able to watch a uh, what would be called a canned lecture from these industry experts. But then they will also have an opportunity to interact with them in terms of live office hours, virtual office hours. But you can also reach out directly to the individual instructors with questions that you might have. Uh, in addition, there will be assessments along the way that will give you a sense of whether you're learning what you really need to be learning. And if you have questions, uh, again, you can be reaching out to the instructors, all of these uh, legal industry leaders, to make sure that you're understanding the content that's being delivered. And so if someone was interested in learning more about the program or signing up, where would they go? You can go to www.legaltechcertificate.com to find out more information in terms of the classes, when they're going to be offered, the cost, and all of those kinds of details. So now, David, now that I have you here and you're pretty <laughs> new to Suffolk, I'm going to turn the tables and ask you a couple of questions. You have a very interesting background and are bringing a terrific expertise and, and some new programming to Suffolk Law. So where were you immediately before you arrived at Suffolk? So I was the data scientist for Massachusetts Public Defender Agency, uh, CPCS. So what does a data scientist do for a public defender office? Well, they, I like to say there were sort of two things that I would do. I would count things and I would uh, predict things. So there was actually a, a relevant example from recently. Uh, you may have heard about this uh, Annie Dukin drug lab scandal, which resulted in the largest dismissal of uh, tainted drug lab cases in the nation. Uh, some 20,000 cases were dismissed for, uh, there was a chemist who, uh, she was saying things were drugs when they weren't drugs, saying things were 17 grams when they were 14 grams, which of course had big implications for sentencing. The point is she had touched some number of cases and the question was, which one of those were tainted. So I was able to help work with some of the data, help to determine that list of individuals uh, who needed some type of relief. So that's sort of the counting side. And then on the predictive side, I'd, I'd take whatever data we had available to us internally and use that to help figure out uh, how best to do things like uh, allocate resources um, or address certain problems. Now tell us a little bit about what you are now doing at Suffolk. I think it's really exciting and you're wearing a couple of different hats in terms of your Suffolk work. Yeah, so what's really exciting, so I've, I've been an adjunct at Suffolk uh, for a while. Uh, what's really exciting now is that I'm coming on board um, as a clinical fellow and I'm going to help lead our new legal innovation and technology lab which is actually going to be part of our clinical program where we'll be staffed by myself and students and we'll work basically as a small consultancy uh, working with uh, legal tech and data science um, to address the needs of our clients, which will be a, a base of both for-profit and non-profit institutions with the for-profit hopefully uh, subsidizing the, the non-profit so that we can bring some great stuff out into the world and instead of having to sit in one agency and do what I used to do, we can help spread that out to many more individuals. What I love about this effort is reimagining what a clinical program is. So law schools have lots of clinics uh, where the uh, students are representing individuals who have particular legal needs. And what we're doing here is taking the expertise of people like you and the students who are being trained in legal innovation and technology, and instead of representing individuals, we're going out and representing organizations, whether it's uh, going out and helping the courts or legal aid offices or government agencies. 
companies and helping them retool and deliver their services in new ways and helping them do their work better, faster, and cheaper. So I think it's just such an exciting project to think about how we can help our community uh, do their work uh, in an entirely different way. Now there's another aspect to it, uh, an embedded mm -hmm. set of fellows in our existing clinical programs. Can you say a little bit about that? Yeah, so the embedded fellows are working much the same way that the overall lab will be working, but instead of having perhaps multiple clients, they're working specifically with their clinics. So you might have a student who's embedded in the Defender Clinic, and they are also one of these uh, CIT fellows, that, as we call them, and they would have 20% of their time for their clinical uh, program would be spent working on technical solutions for the clinic. So they're basically ask, have, working with an internal client, which is the clinic. Um, and so that's a, a great opportunity for us. Uh, provides an opportunity for uh, those fellows to do the same sort of work as the, the members of the larger uh, clinical program, but within the context of our own clinics. So in a nutshell, we're innovating ourselves, right? Yes. So we have these great clinical programs delivering legal services, but we're not immune from innovation, and, and these clinical fellows are going to come in and be attached to each one of our clinical programs and, and really help them uh, retool. So it's a really exciting project and really thrilled, uh, David, yeah. that you're on board and going to be helping us work in these areas. So I'm really excited about it too, but the, the thing that I really like is the idea that we'll be dealing with teaching students how to actually approach these problems so that it's not just about plugging something in and, and using a particular tool, but how you actually go about as a member of a, either consulting with a group or as part of a group, how you help them manage that change to do something to improve your own process and what it is you're doing. And that skill, is one of the things that we really want the, the clinical students to walk away with. Can you think of an example of a way in which this clinic uh, will be helping the community, kind of a type of project that we might be taking on that will really have an impact? Yeah, there's sort of two types of products that sort of immediately come to mind. One is sort of what you might think of sort of your traditional legal tech project. So one of the interesting projects might be something like helping a court to produce self-guided interviews that you could put online to assist self-represented litigants in making their case before the court. So that might be everything from filing for things like fee waivers um, or helping to file some forms that are needed to uh, trigger a hearing to just your general set of legal information that a court might want to provide. And so that's sort of your very standard sort of creation of an expert system with uh, some document automation. And you could consider doing that for courts or for internal processes in an organization. On the other end, you have this sort of data science pillar, which is the idea that you have some data that you've collected and using that to the benefit of your clients. So for example, you can imagine collecting all the data on your cases and then you actually want to see when I do this, does it actually affect the outcome I'm looking for? So maybe you're looking for making explicit some of the tacit knowledge that you hold in your agency. So you have someone that normally they'll look at intake and they'll make a determination and say, this is, oh, this is going to be a case that we want to think about this or think about that, or this is a case that we do or don't want to take because we do or don't have the expertise. You could imagine training a system to take that tacit knowledge and train an algorithm basically to help you make that decision. And so that's very useful, especially if you're in a situation where you have large turnover or you have large volume. Automating that institutional knowledge um, can be something that's very beneficial. And so that's more on the data science side. So those are sort of the two ends, the, the legal tech and the data science. And of course, a lot of them will overlap and you might have something where they all come together. 
So, David, we're coming to the end here, and Suffolk, I, I think, has been a real leader in developing innovative programs and coming up with new approaches in terms of legal education, and we need to be innovating ourselves and uh, continuing to think about new ways of doing what we do. What are some things on the agenda? I think there is a conference being planned that you're going to have some role in for the spring. Can you say a little bit yeah, uh, about that? Yeah, uh, coming up this April, we're going to have a... Uh, clinical conference focusing on innovation, and we're hoping to be able to showcase some of the work that the lab and the CIT fellows have done at that time. So uh, yeah, that's something I'm excited about because we'll have some, instead of just talking about these things, we'll actually have stuff that people can look at. Excellent. Lawrence, let me throw it back to you. <laughs> well, thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> so uh, just real quick, before everybody signs off here, I had one last question. You know, if our listeners out there, they want to follow up, how can they reach you? Why don't we start with uh, Dean Perlman? Sure. Uh, email is usually the easiest way. A Perlman, that's A-P-E-R-L-M-A-N, at Suffolk.edu. How about you, David? Very similar. So I'm D. Colarusso at Suffolk.edu, and that's Colarusso, C-O-L-A-R-U-S-S-O. Excellent. Well, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode. I want to thank our guests for joining us, but also our listeners for tuning in. And if you like what you heard today, please rate us an Apple podcast. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.